0: Welcome, Um, if you didn't know me, I'm Josh Weaver. I'm on staff here at YWC as the Director of AVL and Worship. And I have the pleasure this morning to introduce our guest. His name is Phil Bubar. And would you tell us a little bit about who Phil is this morning?
1: Uh, Just retired this past May 7th from 28 years as the Senior Pastor, Lead Pastor at the Chapel, Free Church in St. Joe, Michigan. So my life has changed, but uh, a little bit about who I am goes back to Wheaton College days and graduated in 74, my wife in 75, got married, went to Trinity Divinity School. As I was going to school, Lisa put me through school. I was a youth pastor part-time, but she was teaching uh, music ed, is what her degree was. And then we left and planted a church in eastern Pennsylvania. We were there 17 years and had a fruitful ministry in that beautiful valley area on the eastern part of the state. And uh, our kids were born there. Then in 1995, moved to St. Joe, Michigan. And uh, it's been a wonderful, wonderful time there. And our kids, Dan's 44, and uh, he's the first assistant U.S. attorney in the, Northern, or the eastern district of North Carolina. So don't get in trouble in North Carolina. And uh, his wife uh, is in the upper group of management over at at Advance Auto. So I buy all my supplies from that company. And they've got two great boys, a junior in high school and an eighth grader. Our daughter Rachel is uh, five years behind Joe, or Dan, married to Joe. And uh, she's a stay-at-home mom with homeschooling for the second year, praying for her. Uh, Schools in Illinois, where they are, are not very Spiritually healthy, and uh, so pray for her a lot. And uh, she's got—they've uh, got four wonderful kids. They'll be in seventh and fifth, and third and second grade, and we're or first grade, and we're happy for them. And then her husband, Joe, our son-in-law, is uh, head of production at um, Crossway Publishers. So if you get in your ESV, that's the only place you're going to get it. And uh, thank Joe for my copy of God's Word in an ESV. And uh, that's our kids, and we love what we do. My wife's a uh, bassoonist by, uh, as well, and she does a lot of that in uh, St. Joe area.
0: Awesome. You said you recently retired. What probably is your favorite part about that new, new retirement from the full-time pastoral yes, ministry? here it
1: is. Best part of retirement is I lost the time pressure. Uh, as a pastor, staff, in your jobs, in life, it's one project to another, to another, to you know what? It's gone. I, if I don't get it done today, I can do it tomorrow. <laughs> Doesn't work for your sermons on Sunday, but <clears throat> this week wasn't quite like that. But, isn't that awesome? And that's the best part.
0: Awesome, well, uh, since you're a seasoned pastor, what would you say would be something you could give us as an encouragement for Wawasee Bible?
1: Encouragement to you as a free church and right here is, and, and, and who for all of us as believers, we gotta stay in the word of God, right? Our foundation has to be God's word. We've gotta be true it, to it and in it and live it because that is the foundation that we build our lives, which means we also have to be committed to the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, to live it out today more than ever before in the life that we see around us. So we make a difference for Christ's sake, living out the gospel, as we take in God's word regularly.
0: Thank you. Thank You, you are welcome. Let's pray for Phil as uh, he comes and blesses us. Lord, we give you this morning, we thank you for the joy that you are in our lives. Holy Spirit, would you, through Phil, speak to us through your word and uh, mold us and shape us into who you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Thanks so much. Would
0: you welcome Phil? Well, it's a joy
1: to be here, to be with you, and uh, with Pastor Josh on vacation, if, if vacationing is bicycle, bi- bicycling through Iowa. Is that really vacation? But that's his roots, so there you go. Uh, Lisa, my wonderful wife, couldn't be with us this morning, and she's got a prior commitment this afternoon. Um, Lisa and your pastor serve on the Great Lakes District board together, she's come to love your pastor, I've come to love him as I've gotten to know him as well as we serve together on a subcommittee. Well, take your Bibles and please turn to our text and that is Psalm 100. And uh, studying the Psalms this summer, uh, you're coming to see and to enjoy and to know and to rest in the Lord as those Psalms express that truth. You know, we come to know the Lord Almighty, our Heavenly Father, as we come to know Jesus Christ more and more in our own walk with Christ. And we see the emotions that are expressed through the scriptures and and, and it ought to bring us all the closer in that need to know our Lord. To know that he is our helper and he is our strength and he's our joy and he keeps us safe in his hands. We're gonna see in Psalm 100 that Jesus is our joy. And knowing that, we're going to want to express our praise to him. The psalmist gives us seven commands in these few verses, and he tells us how we're to express our praise and thanks in song and prayer. And then he reminds us why we're going to obey these commands. And then he gives us six attributes or qualities expressing exactly who our God is. What we see in this psalm is truly an expression of praise. And it's not a quiet psalm. It involves loud voices, right, and, and actions. And I want you to stand with me. Please do. We're going to read the text this morning. It's only five verses in unison, but you've got to use your outside voices, and every parent knows what that means. So we've got to read it with some volume. I'm going to do it, so you might want to change my mic tone, but... Uh, Read it loudly or I'm gonna stop and yell at you to read it louder. So let's read verse one, ready? Make a joyful noise to all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Stay standing. That was awesome. Let me pray. Thank you, Lord, that we can have the joy to use our voices to express praise and honor and glory to your name, to follow the truths of these commands from this word. Lord, have them deep in our hearts, and we know why we will express our praises because we know you. Use this hour in our lives to make a difference for your kingdom's sake. Jesus, I pray in your name. Amen. Please be seated. I got a question for you. Would you say that you are a half empty or a half full kind of person? Would you say that you are a partly cloudy or is it, is it partly sunny outside? Well, we might go oh, it all depends. Depends upon what? Depends upon how I feel today. Depends upon, depends upon who I'm with. Depends upon circumstances. You know, if we're honest, smile with me, we're in church. We gotta be honest here. There's times when we're, we're both those. We're half empty, we're half full kind of person, we're a sunny, cloudy kind of person, it changes. Okay, biblically, let's think about this. Biblically, as believers in Jesus Christ, what are we to be? Think about it, don't answer it out loud. I don't want you to be wrong. <laughs> we are to be half full, right? We're to be half part sunny, right? Don't buy that story, that's not true. We're not to be part. No, we're supposed to be full. We're supposed to be sunny, period, right? I mean, what do we do with verses like Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18? Shouldn't we? Can we be truly full all the time? And the answer is yes, as we allow the Holy Spirit to what? Fill us, control us. And that takes us living our lives totally surrendered to the Lord our God. Can we really have a heart that is continually filled with joy and thanksgiving and praise? Continually? Really? Paul gives us some tough verses, like in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, where he says, rejoice, what? Always. Are you kidding me? Give thanks in what? All circumstances. Can we do that? And that's what? God's will for us in Jesus, verse 16. James writes the same truth when he says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, and why? Because God is at work in us, isn't he? For then we will be, what does he say? Perfect, complete, lacking nothing. We're gonna be full, we're gonna be sunny, and it doesn't matter what's happening outside. Doesn't matter what's happening in our lives. Paul wrote that in everything we're to give thanks. Where does that come from? It comes from a joy-filled heart. We're praying to our Lord, to him, in all circumstances. It's true, biblically speaking, that in all things, the good and the bad, we're to sing, we're to speak, we're to praise, we're to give thanks, expressions of joy, because the Holy Spirit of God fills us as we surrender our heart to him. That's the problem, isn't it? We know what our Lord has done for us. We do have the help of the Holy Spirit in all that we face. This Psalm 100 commands us to express a heart of joy to the Lord. And it will remind us why we're gonna do that. What's your theme this summer? It's all about Jesus. Our lives have to be about Jesus, living for Him, being focused on Him. If we're going to live out Psalm 100, that's going to be true for us. Take your Bibles, turn to Psalm 93. And Psalm 93 through Psalm 100 has formed a little series which could be entitled, The Lord is King. Okay, now Psalm 100. And this becomes a grand conclusion, song and prayer of praise for this little section. The, these psalms celebrate the dominion of the Lord as it betrays God's kingship. He is king. Psalm 100 is entitled a psalm for giving thanks. Most likely it was written specifically for the thank offering. Leviticus chapter seven, verses 11, 15, tells us about thank offerings, but so do some other Psalms. David wrote in Psalm 56, he says, I must perform uh, my vows to God. I will render thank offerings to you, for you have delivered my soul from death, yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. Psalm 107, we we read, uh, as the psalmist says, then let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love for the wondrous works to children of men and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of the, his deeds in songs of joy. So giving thanks, joy-filled hearts, really does need to be a part of our everyday life no matter what we're going through today. You with me? Does that make sense, isn't that right? Isn't that what we see here? Psalm 100 is divided into two parts, verses one to three and verse four and five. And each section has, gives us a, 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 a call to give thanks and then the reason why we'll give thanks. And, and instead of looking in those two portions, we're gonna look at the commands and then the reasons. So expressing our thanks to God, possessing this joy-filled heart, we're gonna do that because of what our Savior Jesus has done for us, right? And we're gonna carry out what the psalmist tells us to do. If you have your outline, the first point I want us to see, we do see is what, what, what are we to do? And what are we to do? In the psalm, an unknown psalmist who writes this gives us seven imperatives or commands or action verbs. And these verbs all focus on our relationship with God, in communicating with our God. So how do we communicate? All right, first command, we shout. Shout out, we sang that this morning, didn't we? Shout for joy or joyfully. The ESV says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. A reminder, and you know this as you read the Old Testament, L-O-R-D, all in caps, right? That's not the same as capital L, small O-R-D. That means master or ruler. But capitals, L-O-R-D in the Old Testament, is the covenant name for God, Yahweh, every time. It doesn't show up in our text. When a Jew, Jewish Israelite would read the scriptures, they would never say Yahweh for fear they had sin in their life and would face the judgment of God. So they would substitute the word Adonai, Hebrew, for which means Lord. So instead of saying Yahweh, they would say Lord, and that's why it's captured that way, but in caps. It's always Yahweh. So what do we do here? The psalmist says, shout for joy. Yes, Lord, I love you, I praise your name. The Hebrew word for shout here is used to welcome a king into his capital or when the king takes his throne. But in the biblical usage, in the religious overtones for Israel, it was a part of their worship. And this would be shouting as in Psalm 47. Clap your hands. We tried to do that this morning. I helped a little bit, not very well. If I sing and clap, it gets off. But clap your hands, all people. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. That's what we're to do, shout it out. So the psalmist is calling us worshipers to speak out, sing out loudly. Our praise, our thanks, our joy to give. You sang so well this morning. You read the scripture just as it was supposed to be. Shouting. Back in the day, our daughter Rachel in middle school played middle school basketball, and I had as many games as I could get to. I'd go to. I'd sit up in the bleachers, and I would yell all the time. Where would you go, Rachel? Great shot! Great block! And oh, a good steal! Whatever. And then in high school, she switched to women's tennis, and I've never been to a high school <laughs> tennis match before, never. And and I sat there. I used my Psalm 100 voice. Good shot, Rachel, oh, that was in bounds. And in the very first match I went to, her coach came over to me. And she said, you can't shout. And I said, you can't shout? And I quoted Psalm 100 to her. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. You can't shout. Okay, internal shouts. Good shot, Rachel. You and I, we go to events... Sporting events, loud events. But you and I know we can't always, and we, you know, it's not my personality. I wouldn't be shouting out in here in this church. That's just not my personality. But but in our hearts, we can always shout out our praise to you, Lord. I love you. Can't we? We got to. We've got to see that. Israel is commanded to make loud noises of praise out of a heart of joy. We also see who's to be involved in this vocal worship, and what does he say in the psalmist? All the earth, all the earth. Well, all the earth is not shouting out its praise to God. It doesn't know God, it doesn't know Yahweh. We're called upon, we as believers, to shout our joy to the Lord. What does that imply? It implies, again, that we have reasons to sing joy. We look at our world today and there's plenty of reasons why people don't have joy, who don't know the Lord, From the struggles of drought, or famine, or floods, or war, to greed, to to selfishness in the governments of this world, there's no reason for the earth to shout joy. The majority of these people on earth have no relationship with the true and living God. The needs are great. People need to know Jesus as their Savior and Lord. The whole earth today is what, 7.9 billion people? Believe evangelicals estimated maybe to be 660 million people, but scattered among the world, and we, evangelical believers who know Jesus, we should be able to shout our praise to the Lord from every nation, and that is happening in our world today. The second command is serve the Lord with gladness. Serving is an act of worship. It's it's used that way. What we do for the Lord is our worship of Him. So, how are we serving? We serving with a smile. We serving with gladness and joy. Uh, How do we that? How we serve? Oh, Tricia, is Tricia here? She's probably down with young people, children, children's ministry. Oh, Tricia, I've. You're asking me to serve in nursery on Labor Day? Are you kidding me? Or do we go, Tricia, I would love to meet that need in nursery on Labor Day. I will be there. You can call me anytime. There's a difference between the two, and Tricia knows that too. We've got to have a heart of joy. If you've got a bad attitude, you know what? Don't serve. Did I really say that? You know, I don't mean that. If you've got a bad attitude, change your attitude. (laughs) Change your attitude those leading in worship on stage, those working in a sound booth, getting the d- back together, some storms that went through, those of you who, who lead a small group, those of you who teach in Sunday school, those of you going to serve in vacation Bible school, a- a- and those who take a meal to others because there's need, and all that you do, we've got to do it with a heart of joy and service because that's what our worship is. Serve the Lord with gladness. I'm happy to do that. Serving. The reason we serve is to act out our worship. And you don't do it to please staff in a church. We do it as an act of sacrifice to the Lord. I will sacrifice with you, Lord, and serve. It's an attitude with joy in it. The third command is come, right? Same Hebrew word is used twice here, though translated differently. Verse two, verse four, come and enter, same Hebrew word. This third command, verse 2, we are commanded to come into the presence with joyful singing because of our interpersonal relationship with our God. We don't enter his presence with terror. No, we don't. We come into his presence with a joyful heart of song. Literally, we are called to come before his face. You think about it, we have an audience with the Lord Almighty. And we're, and we're going to come into his presence with a melancholy song. Do you sing a melancholy song? Probably too often. Oh Lord, I'm so sad and upset today. I can't believe it. I'm so tired. That's not going to cut it. Or, or, or it could be a critical song. I'm sure this isn't true of anyone in your church. Oh Lord, you don't know what it's like to be in this church. No one talked to me this morning when I came to my seat. That's not gonna cut it either. If we're walking through those doors into corporate worship, coming together in the very presence before the face of our God, we better be joyful of heart. That is commanded of us. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. What? How great you are. The fourth command is again, come or enter, same word. And we come before the face of God with thanksgiving and praise and and we can do that. Why can we do that? And when I think that God his son, not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take that in. Then sings my soul how great you are. We come into his presence because we know him. Look at the parallelism, verse four. Gates, courts, thanksgiving, praise. For Israel, God dwelt in his temple. It was his locale. But we know that since the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on that cross, the barrier between God and man has been destroyed, Ephesians two, Ephesians chapter three, and now Christ dwells in us. And we can worship him anywhere and everywhere. It's all about Jesus with a heart of joy. He gave his life for us. Are we not filled with thanksgiving and joy and praise? And we start reflecting on why we're here and how good our Father is to us. I'm not quite feeling it this morning, the fight we had in the car on the way here. Were we not commanded? To enter his gates with thanksgiving do we have a choice in that we better be meditating when you're walking out from your car in the parking lot and when you get to these doors you better be 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 expressing a heart and praying with gladness in your heart and when you come into these doors we better be ready to sing our joy to the lord the fifth command the end of verse four is to give thanks And now that we've entered, not a building, but entered into his presence, it's all about our heart. It's all about Jesus and what Jesus has done for us. We're commanded to speak out, thank you, thank you Jesus, thank you, thank you Lord. And that needs to be on our lips, and it can be because it comes from a thankful heart. How's your heart? Think of what Christ has done for you. Think about his mercies and love and care and we're thankful. And so we express our praise to God, we pray, we speak out loud or silently from our hearts, maybe in song, and it's communication with our wonderful Lord. We give our dollars, our our offerings, as a thank offering to the Lord. There's many ways to express thanks. We've gotta do it, because Jesus is our source of joy. The sixth command, the end of verse four, we're commanded to bless his name. That means speak well of the Lord. We're to express again through prayer, communication, our affection, our love, that's from our heart to you, Jesus, I love you. How wonderful are your ways. Some application, Psalm 100. We see the call to worship. And our whole being is to be involved in our worship. Not just fall before him, that's the literal meaning of the Hebrew word for worship, to fall flat before him but in an active relationship with him continually. There's no passiveness here. I mean, we've got these commands. Shout, serve, come with joyful song and thanksgiving. And then we're commanded to give thanks and give blessing, speaking well of God. I want you to see this. The psalm is all about our heart relationship with our Lord in our prayer life. There's no, figuratively speaking, in our relation with God, there's no sitting in your chair praying. Not in this psalm. Now that's not literally true because I, most of my time I'm sitting in a chair when I'm praying. But, but figuratively speaking, we, you, we can't just sit there. This psalm is about an active relationship with our Lord. Sometimes Christians will say, my, my faith is very private. Try and get that out of this psalm. It's not there. Now, there are Psalms that are introspective and, 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 and reflective, and they're searching and they're quiet Psalms, and they're Psalms of tear and brokenness and sorrow and, and, and quietness. It's going to be all of that. All of that. The command to come before the Lord our God is not about where we are. You know that. I know that. It's not a literal place of worship. In our prayer life, we pray wherever we are, out to our God and worship. We, our emotions, again, that's not confined to a building. It's about the heart, wherever we are. We worship the Lord with our being. We see that in some of the verses that Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3 and 6 and 2 Corinthians 6. And in those verses, God doesn't reside in a building made by human hands, but a building made by God. He resides in us. What we have in this psalm, is what we should do, but often you and I know people and circumstances steal our joy and we don't focus on God. Stuck in traffic on your way to hair. At least that's where we would go for an international flight, and you are running, and it's slow, and you are behind, and, and and so you've got to speed where you can, and then all of a sudden the cops are there, and you get pulled over. You're losing time, and now there's a whole argument going on in the front seat of that car, and, and you're going to get late, and, and there's no joy there at all. We can get so caught up in the moment, the mundane part of life. You know, there's food to fix. There's places to, There's schoolwork eventually, there's work day jobs and and everything else in between and 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 we can get so stuck in the grind that we fail to appreciate our Lord. We fail to look up and smell well, look up, smelling the roses looking down. Lisa and I we love to walk the beaches in St. Joe, and we live about seven minute drive from the beach and we do a lot of hunting for beach glass. And that's just a little glass there, but lots of beach glass. And we can be hunting and hunting and hunting. And, and I find myself looking for those beach glasses, pieces. And, and then, you know, there's some days when I'm skunked and I catch nothing. And then I say, I've got nothing to show for this time we've been walking. Forget the beach glass and just look up. And then I say, wow, what a gorgeous blue sky. Wow. The blue water and the sun sparkling on that. And then my heart changes and I start, and I literally start saying, God, thank you for your creation. Thank you for what we see. And then I start praying about other things and I'm rejoicing. And sometimes I start singing in my own heart. Why? Because I stop hunting for things that just don't matter. You with me? We got to be thinking, God, how great you are in all circumstances. You know what the answer is? We cannot live in isolation. Don't live in isolation. It, 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 when we get by ourselves, we dig our holes pretty deep. We, we can do anything we want to do. We can talk ourselves into it. Don't live in isolation. We need each other to speak into our lives, to say, come on, don't think like that. Don't go there. Come on, step up. We need, the church is the body of Christ, one body, many parts, and we need each other. We've got to talk into each other's lives. Do not live in isolation. Not if we're going to worship the true and living God. Point two now tells us why we're going to obey these commands. Why we're going to do it. And it shows up in the seventh imperative. It's really the fourth one in the text. But it's seven on the list, my list. And it's no, we are commanded to know. Know who we're calling out to. And it's Yahweh our God. We don't worship or serve anyone, anything man-made, we're to worship and serve the one true God. And our worship and praise has content, you know that. It's content, there's thick content there of who our God is. And and, and Jesus said you must worship in spirit and in truth. There is truth to know, we gotta know that in our worship. And when we know him, we'll praise him. We bring him honor and glory. The Hebrew word for to know means to know by experience. And you know that is very cyclical. When you come to know Jesus, you may not know much, but you start to study and know it and you know more and then he shows more to you and you you react by that and you grow deeper and and then you learn more and it never ends, it's cyclical. We know him more as we know him more. And that's gotta be our commitment. That's what you have gotta see. These commands to know God, it's about knowing the true God. In verse three and five, we have descriptions of Yahweh, our covenant God. Let's go through them quickly. First, that he is Elohim, right? Or the mighty, or powerful, or strong one. It's that Elohim is always translated in our Bibles, G-O-D, the Old Testament. G-O-D, it's the Hebrew name for God, Elohim, means the mighty one. He is supreme, nothing is impossible with Elohim. He's the one and only God. What can he not do? Secondly, he's described in our psalm as creator. It is he who made us. We are his. He he owns us. We belong to him. We're accountable to him. He owns us. It's really a joy to be owned by God. You know? You mean he can say follow me and all I have to do is follow him? I love it when I can follow. You lead the way, I'll follow you. I love to do that. I don't have to think. That's what I like about, you know, not Garmin anymore, but our phones. You know, me driving here. I know she's going to come on the phone and tell me, turn left in two miles. I love that because I can be doing different things in my mind, you know. I love God. He's our creator. He knows us. And we can follow him. He made us. He knows us. As our creator, will he misuse us? Will he, will he mistreat us, his creation? Unfortunately, we, his children, do some pretty stupid things. But he owns us, and he loves us, and he'll also discipline us. Think of the confidence that has to give us to know that he is our creator, or his. At least, to the third description, he is also what's the third one? Shepherd. We're we're his people, the sheep of his pasture. What do shepherds do? They Psalm 23 was preached here what a week or so ago or a few weeks and he cares about our physical needs and emotional needs and spiritual needs and he he puts us where we need to be by the the quiet waters he puts us there that's what the psalmist said david wrote and we know the good shepherd as jesus described himself look at john 10 let, let's let me read that i am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep He who is a hired hand does not need a shepherd and not a shepherd. Who who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. That's our God, that's our shepherd. He loves you. He indwells you by his spirit. He puts us in the right places. We're the sheep of his pasture. He cares for us so we can follow him and know him more. The fifth description, he is good. He is good. You know, when something bad happens from our perspective, how do we react way too often? We say, I heard this all the time. God, why did you do this to me? Why did you allow this to happen? You're the sovereign God. Why did you allow this to happen to me in my life? And people, I know too many, who get mad at God. Have you ever gotten mad at God? And and we get mad at God because of what? The sin of others? Not God's sin. God doesn't sin. Because of the anger of others or their selfishness or their failure or cruelty? Or, Or as his children... You know, we want our way and we don't care what God says and out of our own sinfulness, we make choices and there's consequences. And if we're living to, according to God's word, being filled with his spirit, we're going to know that he is good all the time. He is. We need to pray, Lord, what do I need to learn through this experience? What, what are you teaching me through this period? God has a purpose, yes, and it includes hardship and pain and sorrow, we know that through the scriptures. But he is our good, good father. He's not evil, not spiteful, hurtful. The question is, can pain be good for us? And the answer is yes. Can pain, pain can be a warning. Have you ever touched a hot black burner that was just turned off and it's already dark? I did that once. That's a warning. Don't touch this. Don't put your hand there. Can can pain be a wake-up call so something worse doesn't happen? That happens to me when I do marriage marriage counseling and I'm going, "Oh, man, I don't want that to oh, I don't want that to oh, I don't want that to happen in my marriage." <laughs> Aren't we glad that his love is unconditional? That he loves us, cares for us. That's the fifth one. Right? Loving. Is that love endures forever. Aren't we glad? Don't you love what Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans chapter 8 about the love of, of Christ? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. And the answer is nothing can separate us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, the love of Christ. Verse 37. He says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors to him who loved us. Nothing, look at the words used, nothing to separate us. God's love will not end. Aren't we glad that his love is not conditional on our actions or our reactions or our failures? His love goes on on and on and on. Aren't you thankful for that? Don't we praise him for that? I love you, Lord, thank you that your love doesn't end because I was really stupid yesterday. Last, he's faithful. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. You think about that. He doesn't change. We as human beings, we let each other down, but God doesn't let us down. If he did, he wouldn't be God. Now that doesn't mean we don't feel disappointment. You know, we, we may feel disappointment because of our stupid, and I use that word truthfully, stupid expectations. I don't like expectations. There's a couple I've counseled with years, and she always has this positive expectations out there, and then you know what happens? She gets disappointed way too much. God doesn't disappoint us from what he wants accomplished through us and in us. We humans, we let each other down. God doesn't. God is always working out his purpose in our lives. You know that. I know that. And it's for our good. Why? Because he is faithful. So maybe we need to learn to trust him more and depend on him more and not be so tied into what we think must happen. First Corinthians 1, one, first Thessalonians five, God is faithful. Faithful, he is always there. He will do what he says. And yes, we can depend on him alone. So are we filled with a thankful, joyful heart because he's always faithful? Application, just a few thoughts and we'll close. I want you to think about biblical commands. When scriptures give us a command, and there's plenty of them, Do you know what that means? It means you and I can obey it. Otherwise, it wouldn't be in there. I don't think Jesus ever commanded us to walk on water. I've tried that. I step right through it. But if we're commanded anywhere in here, it means we can do that. In the power of the Holy Spirit, we can. Because he is the almighty one. He is our creator. He's our shepherd. He's our good, loving, faithful God. We simply need to know him more. Do you know him? Do you know him through experience? Are you growing in your knowledge of who he is more and more and more? We don't make it until we're home with him in heaven, right? Think that we have the privilege to know this God. It's amazing. Close, you got a food for thoughts. I put some there for you to do. I'm just going to mention two of them, two of the worst. No, no, that's not true. One I think is really fun, and one that's the worst. Monday, tomorrow. I want you to simply think through scripturally of the attributes of God there, Almighty, Creator, Shepherd, Good, Loving, Faithful. From God's word, write down one example of God as the Almighty, and then I want you to think in your own personal experience, how have you seen God to be almighty? And There's not enough room there, so use a piece of paper. How, well, how have you seen in God's word, talking about him as shepherd? Well, we know that. How have you seen him as your shepherd? How has he guided you? Do that, that, that I love that one. The one I don't like is what I wrote for Wednesday. And I was, I'm, I'm mean to myself as I am to you. And I ask you, I serve the Lord with gladness. That's what I want to pick on. What are three tasks you that dislike <laughs> that you could now do with gladness of heart for the Lord? And I want you to think about it in terms of something at home, something at work or school. I know there's no school yet, so I don't know, pretend. And then something you could do at church that you really don't like to do, but you will do it with gladness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you know us. We are your sheep, you are faithful, we know you, revealed from your word. Father, I pray for these people. You're here this morning, heads bowed, believers, you know him, filled with thanksgiving and praise. You do love the Lord. And he is your shepherd, think about that. He's your shepherd, he's your creator. You know his goodness in your life, don't you? You know his love and his faithfulness. You know that life is all about Jesus. I want you to take a moment right now and just praise him for one thing you've seen him work out in your life that is described by one of those traits. Just thank him for that in prayer. You keep praying. I don't know anyone, I don't know any of you here hardly. Those may be watching online. You know, the Bible tells us that it, we, we can know about God but we can't know God until we have a personal relationship with him. You may be here this morning and you might say, you know, I, I don't have that kind of a relationship. I, I have, to, you have to step into a personal relationship with him. Jesus died for you to pay the price of your sin that separates you from God. He died for that reason so that you could be united and be a child of God. And if that's your desire this morning, silently from your seat or from home, wherever you are, you can pray silently. You can say, Jesus, I understand you are the savior. And I want to step into a personal relationship with you. Thank you for dying on that cross, paying the penalty of my sin. Today I receive you as my savior. Forgive me of my sin. I turn from that and take and receive you now in my life. I surrender my heart to you. That's your prayer, let one of the staff of the church know, tell somebody, Heavenly Father, may we be your sheep. And as your sheep shout for praise and joy, we live in you, Jesus. We experience your joy within us. So I pray that we are willing to decrease and allow your spirit to fill us all the more. For that is when we will live in your joy no matter what we're facing. Amen.